on the Texas Steampunk Connection, your source for steampunk event information in the great free state of Texas. We also discuss books, films, comics, and games. Also, we enjoy visiting with the local steampunk luminaries. I'm Flavio. I'm Erica. And I'm Fax, your hosts. Thank you for tuning in, and now on to the episode. Hello, welcome to the Texas Steampunk Connection, Season 2, Episode 11. This episode, the three of us were unable to get together, so I'm just going to record this little short intro. What you're about to hear is the second part of our Lisa Turner interview. We talk about a project she wishes to start, which involves dime novels or penny dreadfuls. So if you're a writer or an artist, this is really going to be of interest to you, so give it a listen. I will talk to you about upcoming events after the interview. We're talking to Lisa Turner here. We interviewed you in episode nine, and uh, we are continuing talking to you now in this episode. Because we weren't talking. <laughs> it's just that you brought all these topics of conversation, and uh, they did. I don't want to miss any of them. That's right. Uh, so, what have you been working on lately? Maybe you've got a project. So, lately I've been helping out with RebelCon, which is a convention dedicated to fanzines over in Houston. And that kind of lit a light under me to kind of dig into the histories of zines. And then that led back to steampunk when it came to dime novels and penny dreadfuls. And so, I've kind of taken a little bit of an interest lately of digging into like the different styles and formats and how they might be able to come back into the steampunk steampunk community and ways that we can leverage that to kind of bring the community together and just start a dialogue between the different cities in Texas. <laughs> this struck me as particularly interesting because I don't, I didn't know anyone was doing this and, you know, you got me thinking about it. This yeah. is like serialized storytelling where it's just a, a very short story or you know, a, a serialized series of stories like the old Buck Rogers back in the day. <laughs> right, or, right. Or, or even, uh, well, I think uh, like, there was Dynamic Buck Doc Holiday. <laughs> Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. <laughs> yeah, in, fact, that's not, in fact, I'm reading a series of books that's based on Doc Holiday. <laughs> you, know, you, you reviewed one yeah, of the first ones. Yeah, this, this is the second one I have in my hand. But yeah, it's, and they mentioned the Penny Novels in there too. And, and he's like, they're exaggerated. I, I, didn't, I didn't kill that many people. <laughs> so are other regions or individuals writing Penny Dreadful style zines or, I don't know, Kindle books that, that you found? That is this a thing that's happening? Um, I've seen a couple kind of start dipping their toes into it. And so uh, when I went up to a convention up in Nebraska called uh, Constellation, I came across a couple authors that had a pretty big variety of different books, and some of them crossed over into the steampunk genre. And uh, they're a little different from traditional Penny Dreadfuls because they have a little bit more professional publishing, which... I think that's the product of the age. Yeah, it kind of leans in towards like this shift in, as far as self-publishing goes and independent press, and so it's... Right, yeah, with pretty. <laughs> abilities with the internet this 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 could easily be a thing definitely <laughs> yeah and so, so i see you have a couple of examples there with you what do we what do you have with you uh one of the ones that i have is the magical cases of gwen connor by robert collins 
The Curious Case of the Jeweled Alicorn by Michael Merriam, and uh, Horror at Cold Springs by Michael Merriam. And then another one was a steampunk zine that was published through Lulu Press uh, by Many Comics, and uh, I believe they're available both through Lulu and Amazon. I'll be able to send y'all links and awesome. yeah, take photos of those for y'all. I see that one. And I assume you've, you've read these. What level of professional writing are we talking about with these? <laughs> I, I don't want you to be, I, I don't mean for you to be critical and tear <laughs> them a new one, but, but really, what are we talking about here? So, when you take a look at, like, your traditional dime novels and your penny dreadfuls, they weren't meant to be high literature. They were meant right. to be read more, like, general, working-class, just very easy media to consume. Like and <laughs> and so, it's not heavy reading, and a lot of these are around uh, 60 to 70 pages long, which is kind of very nice, bite-sized media, which is in tune with today's kind of consumable culture with Facebook and blogs. Do you call that a novella? Uh, it's a little shorter than a novella, because a okay. novella is more like a 150-page novel, and so it's... Because <laughs> with, with uh, Kindle books, you know, they could be any length mm -hmm. at this point. There's really no... Because uh, there's no printing. There's no rules. rules. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you're looking to... You said you were looking to start a project? I've been toying around with the idea of trying to create a dialogue between the different cities in Texas as far as the Dallas steampunk community, the Houston steampunk community, and the Austin steampunk community. And what I'd Don't really... And San Antonio. <laughs> and San Antonio. Maybe you heard it. And so what I'd like to see done is ideally if the different communities can come together and build... Even if it's just like a 12-page compilation of art, photos, tutorials, or just any kind of uh, just little bits and pieces that kind of capture their community that can be traded among like different cities. I think it could be a lot, a lot of fun and it can help build ties and strengthen the community of steampunks throughout Texas as a whole. So your idea would be to, to collect these 12-ish or so pages Per, per community group and bind them all in a single volume that then can be traded or, or like an Austin volume. Ideally, volume I would want it like separated by cities oh, okay. and then uh, they can be traded among people as they travel to conventions or if they go to out of state conventions, it could be something that could be passed around. But ideally, we want it to be. Pretty short, easily uh, produced, cheap enough to give away or sell at like the price of a dollar. Because I want to kind of keep that mentality of the dime novel and or the penny press, so that we can keep it cheap enough and be distributed as like a fun project, more so as a community I like project. I like this. I like this idea. <laughs> I really do. I, I fully support this idea. <laughs> and so it's something that's still in its infant stages, but like at least I have a little bit of a blueprint of kind of what I want and what kind of style I want it in. And at least I know what kind of price point I want. <laughs> and uh -huh. so that kind of, yeah. that kind of guides the project. So you'd be hiring, you know, young boys in shorts to stand on the corner and <laughs> selling papers. Uh, <laughs> I have a nephew whose uh, steampunk persona is a newsboy. I'll have to there use him. <laughs> there you go. I got a project for him. That's, right. That's awesome. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I like this idea. Anything to help further the, the, the awareness of steampunk and, and community and getting, getting together with the other groups. Because, I mean, we, we visited other cities. I mean, we've gone to San Antonio and visited their little meetup that they have there. And we go to Wimberley several times, you know, as often as we can. And, you know, Houston, we don't hear much from them, but I know they do stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. In the Central Texas Steampunk community, yeah, we want online. They seem very engaged. I don't know, but eventually we do plan to visit them if we figure out what they're doing and where they're going to meet. And when it comes to like the airship perspectives that you come across in steampunk communities so much, it really kind of opens the doors to. I don't know. A lot of people they they might not be into the maker side of things, right. but they're heavily into the literature, or they're heavily into the poetry or the songs, and so it's opening up another avenue where they can express themselves in a way that can be traded and documented throughout the communities. This sounds this sounds fantastic. I mean, it can be sort of boiled down to individual levels, like you said, the uh, individual steampunk. Uh, Airships, you know, they they write their own reports or whatever it is they're doing for that month or that quarter. A local writer who is, you know, trying to get into the uh, novel writing could submit a short story on their on their terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve might be able to something. He's always writing. <laughs> you know, he might have something that doesn't quite fit what he's doing and just want to get it out there. I, I didn't want to volunteer anyone's I'm not volunteer. <laughs> but I'm just like, he's a, he's a, he's a big writer that I know of, you know? Right. Yeah. And like one of the things that like, I think is important is like, at least from my perspective, it's not something done to make money. Right. And so but it make people aware. There, but there are other potential opportunities for people who do want to make money in this route, because I know I've seen it up in Nebraska where people are selling their dime novels, and so the, if people wanted to turn it into a money making opportunity, that's another thing that could reach out for like small business. Yes, you could like sell advertising space. Definitely, to, you know, cover the cost of printing and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, what can we do to help? <laughs> well, um, when it comes to printing and everything, when you look at like uh, traditional zines that have been, or let me back up. So when I got involved with Rebelcon, I got and I got to have a glimpse of kind of the history of fanzines within America and how it developed, and it kind of started with Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> as one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so zines first started off as like letter, like letters that were sent throughout uh, the mail. You got on a mailing list. And so mm-hmm. once every six months, you might receive a zine in the mail. And so that was a way that fans were able to connect before social media. And so from there, it started developing where they started uh, pulling them together in more novel size materials where you had multiple contributors. And so like, the level of professionalism kind of varies because you might have a single person who's producing it on their own, um, or you might have a team of 12 people that include three editors. And so the quality can really vary, uh, which is something I think you see now with the advent of more self, uh, self-publishing and independent press as that kind of has become more available mm-hmm. through like publishing through Amazon, Lulu Press, and even people running Indiegogo and uh, Kickstarter campaigns, I think you see kind of a real 
variety and the quality of what's put together. But I think that's part of the charm, because if I want to read something heavy and, like, super literature, then, you know, I can do that. But sometimes I want something that's just simple. I want to... Bubblegum. <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. just tell me your adventures. and sort you know, an informal, it almost feels like a letter from a friend kind mm-hmm. of... Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of charm to that. Mm-hmm. And if people are already documenting these things on like blogs and stuff, yeah, they have a more global reach, but I think there's I don't know, some that steampunk charm of being able to hold something in paper in your hands mm-hmm. that's yeah. been developed by that's your community. That's something we touched on in the last uh, interview the tactile feeling yes. something <laughs> in your hands. I much prefer that the tactile feeling. Right. I like actually reading physical books. Mm-hmm. You know. And then, you know, the Frost Etiquette book uh, has just <laughs> chapters and chapters on how to appropriately write letters and how to address them and how to yeah. close them and what you should say and what you shouldn't say. And so letter writing, of course, was very, very important in Victorian times. And it really uh, made a huge difference in your social standing. You know, if you, if you were able to write a correct letter with, you know, all the socially appropriate tags on it. <laughs> I think I would fail that. <laughs> well, you need to read Frost, young lady. We would all fail. Yeah, all the etiquette she's been reading, we failed miserably most of the time. <laughs> I, I didn't even know how to bathe myself properly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I do have some white Windsor soap now, though. <laughs> Uh, so one of the things that I've seen actually done in the past by an airship group was by Airship Isabella, where they ran a Kickstarter and they did their own kind of penny dreadful. And so I think that can really have, I don't know, it, there's different viewpoints as far as how in-depth you want to get on your publishing. And I think if you... If you're just starting out and you're just testing the waters with a project like this, then I think it's a little more fun to be able to just get with a group of friends and do something that you can go, you know, make copies at Kinko's and just use a stapler to bind it and pass it out to friends (laughs) rather than worrying about trying to meet a $2,000 or $5,000 goal for printing. And it gets into a really hefty project that can... Get, yeah. Get out of hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once something turns into work, a lot of the fun goes out of it. Exactly. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, like I said, once again, I, I, I like this idea a lot, and I'm not really a writer myself. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know Ryan how to sucker other people into doing stuff. I feel like I should be taking, you know, writing down names of people I need to get in contact with. <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah. We well, we used to keep a blog, the Roosevelt Adventuring Society. We, used we, didn't, to, we didn't get very far with that, though. Well, we made a few blog <laughs> entries about our different adventures. Sure, I wouldn't, something we probably could be doing more of. Yeah, I wouldn't mind starting that up again. And there's something that was uh, brought up when I was kind of digging into the background of uh, dime novels in America. There's a man named Alexis de Tuckerville. And he wrote uh, in a, a thesis in Democracy in America, and this was from ni- er, from 1835. And like his statement was pretty much practically every American was busy earning a living with no time for obtaining a higher education, let alone for time-consuming distractions. They preferred books which may easily be pr- procured, quickly read, and which require no learned researches to be understood. They require rapid emotions, startling passages, small production will be more common than bulky books. The object of authors will be to astonish rather than to please, and to stir passions more than to charm the taste. And that was written 25 years prior to dime novels. And I think it's still applicable widely to today's society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we have such a short 
short attention span <laughs> nowadays with everybody, you know, looking on the phones I, and training yeah. and you know, all I, that stuff. I find that really uh, startlingly appropriate. Today. <laughs> you know, some things right, change right, and some things don't. That, 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 you know, gets me angry or or you know gets me feeling passionate about something rather than telling me facts that I have to look up and. <laughs> <laughs> just a sad state of affairs, but I guess it's I guess sensational human nature. Been, it's sensationalized media, <laughs> and kind of kicking back to uh, zines and kind of their start. Another thing that kind of contributed to like fanzines from the fan letters and everything was when conventions were for, were first starting out. Um, people would publish daily convention newsletters. So while you're at a convention, someone would go back to their. Uh, home or whatever and type up a review of what happened that day at the convention and then have it available on a one sheet to pass around the next day. And so it would that like could be very useful. And I was quite thinking sure the local <laughs> party yeah, yeah, gossip. You know, here's all the gossip and I mean it would get into, you know, Who's doing what? What projects are discussed? Uh-huh. And just like what went on and what panels? Oh my God, I can't believe they said that. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And I want to say there was something similar for the Chicago World's Fair. Yeah. That they did a, a paper or a publication that was exclusive just to what was going on at the fair. Awesome. And what had happened at the fair. And everybody was <laughs> obligated to buy their copy to figure out what, what can we see today that is special and new and interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they might have done that at uh, the showdown at Unobtainium. It might have been more for, like, the whole weekend, but mm-hmm. I remember there being some there was kind a paper. of penny press out there. Yeah, so, yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. I'd love to see more conventions kind of integrate that, that again. You didn't see that? You didn't. There was no. the newspaper office. Um, Morgan Lynn had her booth right next to the paper, which is why I knew. Anyway, oh, so, yeah. I, I do remember the office. I didn't know yeah. things actually happened. It was the daily, the daily Unobtainium or something like yeah. that. And yeah. I, I, I I wish that I had gotten a copy of it. I, I was afraid save. to get anywhere near Morgan because she is beautiful and that frightens me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just running around doing all kinds of other stuff and I wasn't there, I mean, I wasn't there Sunday, so I didn't get a chance. <laughs> but yeah, that was a fun time. Yeah, yeah. And it really adds to the atmosphere when you have like a, you know, it looks like a little small town paper. Mm-hmm. It gives some depth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it adds to the atmosphere. Like that. Ooh. Ooh, yes. <laughs> it's November, guys. Yeah. They only have a one-day thing, so. Uh, one-day thing? No, it's two days. Well, if Sunday, you go home. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right? Right? Or Sunday? Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, that's when we did our interviews. Well, even there, like, if there was something that, if one of the staff compiled something and then through registration. A couple well, of people running around with a little press. Well, no, through on. through registration, they have everyone's addresses. Why not email out a newsletter of what happened that weekend the next week? It keeps people involved. It covers what went on that weekend, and it gives them something that they can show their friends, hey, this is what you missed. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. This is crazy. It wasn't a huge place, but like we were in one area. You don't know what's happening over there on the other side. <laughs> Something interesting could have happened, you know? And so another thing that you see from, like, classic dime novels and classic penny press uh, is that they were 
They would often reuse a lot of material, and so it gave authors a way to kind of reach out to new markets through new publications. And so that could be an option. I know we've got a lot of steampunk uh, writers and authors around through throughout Texas, and I'd love to see them get a little more coverage and a little more marketing. And if I mean, even if they submitted, you know, not even a single chapter, but a teaser or just a taste of their writing, it gives people, you know, a short snippet to, you know, (laughs) yeah, what the appetite and see if it's up their alley or not. And so that could be a fun potential. (laughs) And so another thing that you see, like with the dime novels is people would publish them like several segments. And so you'd have serialized content where like in one dime novel, you might see like five different stories. But then after, you know, 10 issues of that, then somebody who had their single story in there, they could then take all that material and publish it into their own dime novel where it's just following one character. And so for the budding writers, it's kind of easy deadlines to meet. And then at the end of the year, they can compile something that's all theirs. And so it's another option for them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's this, this, so cool. I, I never would have thought of this on my own. This, this, to our listeners, especially obviously people in Texas, because we're talking about you. Are you a writer or do you ever think about how you could be a writer? But how do you get started? You know, jumping into a full novel is... is That's intimidating. Mm-hmm. Scary. But maybe you have this story that, that needs to be written and... You don't know where you're going to put it. Hey, what, what do you think of this? Uh, what do you think of publishing, you know, 10 pages at a time into a, uh, a fanzine or a periodical as you will build your story? Let us know. Give us a, a response on the Facebook page. Uh, Texas Think Connection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Or if you just, uh, you know, if you have an airship group that uh, does things on a regular basis, you'd like to write a report. Yeah, tell us Is this adventures. something that you would want to be involved with? Because we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to pass your information on to maybe Lisa or <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who uh, all will be involved in this, but this needs to happen. This is cool. Yes, yes, it does. And this also goes out towards those who are interested in doing their own graphic novels. I mean, it's a lot easier to ink four pages versus looking at 24 pages. And so if you're giving just a snippet, it's kind of looking at... so when Japanese manga are published through digests, it's kind of like the Penny Dreadfuls where you get 25 different stories, all maybe 10 pages long. And then at the end of the year, the author can then take their segments and publish their own book. And so it's an opportunity for the graphic artists out there as well. I know we know some of them out there. <laughs> <laughs> You're out there. I know you. <laughs> uh, this, this, yeah, we need to, we need to have, we need, we need to make this happen. So what are your first steps? What are you thinking? I mean, what do you, what, <laughs> where do you, how do you even, start? yeah, how are you starting? <laughs> what are we starting? One, uh, I guess get, get the word out that you want to do this. Find suckers out there. I mean, good <laughs> listeners like yourself uh, who, who are willing to put a little effort in. I, I'm saying quarterly because that seems, you know. I mean, if anything, if anything, I would start off with one a year. One I mean, year. make it easy. make it simple. Yeah. You know, that's not very much. Not too much pressure, all. and then okay. from there, you can kind of look at what conventions 
people who are involved in the group are going to be looking at hitting, and then and that can kind of determine how many you want to print and what kind of production value you want to get into it. Like for me, like I said, I just want something that I can go to Kinko's and print off a hundred copies and staple them and pass them out for forty bucks. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you can easily do a twelve-piece print, a hundred copies for under forty bucks. So I mean, that keeps it simple and cheap, <laughs> and that also makes it so that I'd be able to pass them out for free. And so again, and if you get some advertisers, that will help cut that cost. True. Too, you know. True. <laughs> So, because I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who have stuff to advertise. You know? <laughs> I wouldn't mind advertising our podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> I won't charge you. <laughs> well, you know, part of the point of advertising is because we want to yeah. support it. Yeah, exactly. We want to give you money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give money. Why don't people want our money? <laughs> so what might, the first step might be just creating a Facebook group to kind of act as the anchor and then inviting people. I mean, if you wanted to start with Austin, then you stick with your Austin steampunk crowd and you start inviting the content creators that you know and those who are interested invite those who aren't interested yet because I mean even (laughs) (laughs) even if they just want to see you know what gets made and then it piques their interest later but I mean the biggest thing that I would push is please don't ask any writers to submit for free Mm -hmm. (laughs) tell them what your idea is and tell them what your point is and if you ask a writer to submit something please don't sell that zine or please don't sell that penny dreadful because to me, that just seems sleazy to the writers because yeah, you're getting money you're, off of them. Yeah, you're making money off of them, and so that was yeah, that's my biggest fear. Intended to be a, a money making <laughs> no, no, thing, we just want to cover. Mm-hmm. I, I say we. I don't want. To, I don't want to do this thing. Uh, I just like the idea of the thing. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, still cover the cost and get the word out there. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if it's a building community thing, it's not a making exactly. money, thing. right? Yeah. And yeah, if you're already a writer and you've got your name out there, you don't need this. <laughs> I, I I feel like this is this is for wannabe writers who want to get their feet wet, who want to uh, try their first their first attempt at, at getting something that's going to have some some readership. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest thing the, for those who are just starting it is getting started, <laughs> writing that first page yeah, or drawing that first panel. Intimidating first step. Staring at that white page, <laughs> right? But with with something that that's a you know a small commitment of time, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a whole book like you said. It's a you know mm-hmm. four pages or twelve pages or whatever, just a short. And that's that's a lot more doable, and it seems a lot less intimidating than oh my god, I've got to sit down and write a book. Right. Or, or, or you've already written something, but don't know what to do with it, or yeah, it, or even you want to show it off. Even know? if you've got plot bunnies that need a home, yeah. it can offer an opportunity for you teaming up with another writer or doing collaborative projects. Or when it comes to artwork, if you've got an idea, or you've got you know plan for a song, but you want somebody else's contra- yeah. dare I say it at, at risk uh, to our own sensibilities 
the story of your personal character <laughs> in steampunk. Let's have the fun. There's a lot of there's a lot <laughs> of role play really groups out ones. there. There's a lot of role play, play groups out there though. A lot of the steampunk people mm-hmm. really enjoy creating a character yeah, take mm-hmm. and and, and making up a story about this person and their adventures and they've got we've got we know of people who have role playing groups where they get together and tell stories and character about their adventures, the and even when it comes to those, if if someone yeah. submitted a summary of what happened that evening or that like mm-hmm. weekend, you know mm-hmm. that's something that's still fun to keep up with and read through. I mean, it's an adventure. It's yeah, bite sized content. Exactly. Yeah, you know your adventure of the week or whatever, or <laughs> in this case, the year. Right? You know, uh-huh. How often? You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, in the past, there's been examples of role playing groups. Like the Dragonlance series, that was originally just people sitting down playing Dungeons and Dragons, and that that turned into a huge series of novels. Yeah. <laughs> that's thinking way too far ahead. <laughs> well, and and one of my favorite books ever, Good Omens, was written by two authors just passing the story back and forth between themselves mm-hmm. and just building onto each other's mm-hmm. work, and it turned out to be, you know, I mean, they were amazing authors to start with, so it, of course it's stands to reason that their book was awesome, awesome. But, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think I read that's, got, that's turning into a miniseries. You know, I keep hearing things about, oh, it's going to be a movie, oh, it's going to be a miniseries, this, that. I, I'll believe it when I yeah. see it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get my hopes up. Yeah, you always hear, uh, oh, it, what do they say? They, they bought the, the option, mm-hmm. which means jack and crap. <laughs> well, and then they hold on. hold on to this and nobody else can do anything with it. Right, exactly. They hold on to it until their rights expire and then it's out in the ether again. But I think American Gods is doing really well. It is. And mm-hmm. so I think that that may pave the way for a good omens uh, movie or miniseries. That would be fantastic. I would love that. Yeah, I've never actually read the American Gods book. It's on my list. But the... the, the there's only been like three or four episodes, but I've really been enjoying that series. It's kind of mind-effery, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to think you could you could sit down and write a, a character where you don't really kind of know where the, you want the story to go, but you could just sort of write a, a vignette yep. of a character that you find interesting and some interaction that they have, and that could be your contribution to the zine. Another uh-huh. another group that I can think of would be like Cracked Monocle. I know they mm-hmm. do their RPG nights, and like even yeah. if they were just compiling lists of what happened on their adventure. <laughs> and yeah. I know... It's almost, almost like guerrilla marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that like when uh, they did their Kickstarter campaign, they uh, released a book of adversaries, which was basically people who contributed at a certain level were able to submit their character design and character stats and background and everything for their characters. And I mean, even just having a profile about like a persona within a zine, I mean, that's, it's fun. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty damn clever. You pay them so that you can write content for them. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> the Tom Sawyer fence painting all over again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I guess uh, the question really is who's committed this project? Lisa, I guess this is your project, right? <laughs> Should people seek you out if if they want to be a part of this? Uh, uh, go to Turner's Tokens and send you an email from there. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll set up a Facebook page and I'll have a link to it on my blog. And for people who want to be content creators or people who just want to be in the know as to what's going into the zine, then, you know, get involved and join up and, uh, Hopefully, I'll have it live by <laughs> May 22nd. <laughs> so, <laughs> just keep an eye out for my blog. And the blog is on... At turnerstokens.com. Turnerstokens.com. <laughs> okay. so keep an eye out for that Facebook page. Go to her blog. That's also where you sell all your stuff as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. And don't feel that you have to contribute to someone else's zine. If people are willing to get out there and create their own, that's what I really want to see. I want to yeah. see people's personal yeah. creations. We have listeners all over the country uh, that maybe aren't necessarily the best fit for Texas series of zines, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you shouldn't pick this... I got this ball and run with it. And if you do, let us know. Because <laughs> we want Because we want a copy. Yeah. <laughs> Please take the concept and run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know what you, what you guys are out there creating. Because that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep everybody in the loop. We want everybody to know what's going on. <laughs> you know, even though, even if you're not in Texas, we still want to know what's going on out there. <laughs> yeah. Lisa, I want to thank you for coming and talking to us about this new project. Yes. I have a concept of, and I'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> how this uh, blossoms into something really cool. (laughs) I appreciate your time. (laughs) Looking forward to listening to many more of your podcasts. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) This has been great. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. I I think we've pretty much covered everything. Any last words for anybody? You can be found Tina's (laughs) Turner's tokens. (laughs) Tina Turner's tokens. (laughs) Anywhere else? (laughs) Different Uh, If anyone's interested, my character Turner uh, is actually being featured in a comic called Third Rail. Uh, My brother's producing a comic and he's uh, developing through Patreon.com. And uh, again, the name of it's Third Rail and it's by Chris Ralston. That's awesome. (laughs) When's that going to be released? Um, He's already releasing pages. uh, So if you join the Patreon, you're able to view the pages before they get compiled into a print publication. Awesome. I definitely wouldn't want a copy of that. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> cool. Okay. I guess that, that about wraps it up for this episode. Thank you once, once again, Lisa. Thanks for your time. And we're going to play some music and stick around. We'll talk about what uh, upcoming events are coming. That's right. Yeah.
Okay, that was CGMA by Thawin Mills on his Five Pound Piranha album. He was the musician that was at the Wembley Steampunk Renaissance and Steampunk Fair that happened last weekend. He was really entertaining. I liked him. Really funny guy, too. He stopped by our table and talked to us for a while. Made us laugh a lot. Before I move on to upcoming events, I just want to reiterate that was Lisa Turner. We were talking about a new project that she wishes to get started. She opened up a Facebook page called Turner's Tokens Telegram. So if you're a writer or an artist and you have some project that you've been working on and you just feel like showing it off or you want to get a feel for it, or if you have a short story you don't know where to put, or if you just want to write something just to be part of the project, that'd be awesome. Once again, it's Turner's Tokens Telegram, and I'll put a link up to it in our site. Upcoming events. This is currently June 18th, 2017. I'm going to be honest with you, there's not a whole lot going on at the moment. The closest thing is this coming Thursday on the 22nd at the Steampunk Land Factory in San Marcos, Texas. He's once again having another meetup, and he's also going to have a costume contest, and the winner of the costume contest can win first place a custom-built lamp. And trust me, looking around that shop, there are some really awesome lamps there, so that'd be something to aspire for. That's this Thursday, June 22nd in San Marcos. Coming up after that would be June 25th. This is the Jazz Brunch for Steampunks in New Orleans. Fax and Erica will be headed out that way Thursday and going to spend the weekend out there before the actual Jazz Brunch. So, But if you feel like going to, to New Orleans for a Jazz Brunch, then uh, look it up. I'm, there may be some tickets still available. I'm going to go ahead and bring up a couple of Kickstarters that I've found. The first is the War of the Worlds board game. Now, unfortunately, it only has three days left. And once again, like I said, today's the 18th, 1922. You have until Thursday to to back this project. It's that it's not has not quite reached its goal yet. So maybe they can do it. Maybe they won't. It looks really cool. It's World of World, basically, like the like the old like you heard, the World of the Worlds. Mars comes and attacks. It can be solo played as well. What I like about it, you can have you have three choices of maps. You can use e- either use the Eastern United States, you can use England, or you can use Japan. Or if you want, you can get all three maps and play it that way. But it looks really cool. And it's very steampunky looking with the art, the aliens and well, the Martians and all that kind of stuff. So give it a look. Give it a chance. It's three more days. It's not quite at its goal. Okay, I want to point out a second Kickstarter that I ran across. It's called Wordsmith, a steampunk fantasy adventure. The tagline says, Adventure, excitement, and words. Victoria can craft physical manifestation of words. But what happens when word go awry? It's a steampunk fantasy world. It's a graphic novel. It looks really cute. It's not quite at its goal, but it has 25 days to go. So we have plenty of time. So give it a look. Maybe it's something you might like. That, that's all I have for now. If you know of anything happening steampunk-wise, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Texas Steampunk Connection. You can also leave us your comments and your questions. Until next time, mind your gauges. Thanks for listening. This has been the Texas Steampunk Connection. Opening music was the Texas Steer Rag by George Botsford, recorded in 1909. Please like us on Facebook at Texas Steampunk Connection. Where you will find a link to all the topics we talked about in this episode. Until next time, mind mind your your gauges. gauges.